Now today we're back in our series entitled, Mark It Up. Mark it up. Now, this season has marked all of us. It's changed us. It's changed how we shop. It's changed how we interact. It's changed how we uh, go to the store and how we go to work. It's changed even how we interact. It's changed how we, what we wear on our face. Now masks are a fashionable thing. And I just say, your masks look great, but I, I see your smiles behind. Keep smiling. Don't let a mask hold you back. Keep smiling. People know when you're smiling. Don't let this hold you back. Now, I know that we've all been marked by this, but I wonder if Jesus wants to mark our life in a different way. This has changed the game for us, but I wonder, what if God wants to change the game for you and I? Many of us were wanting to go back to normal, but what if God has a brand new normal for you and I? Would you want it? Yes, I want the new thing that God has for me, and I hope that your heart desires the same thing as well. I want to encourage you to let Jesus be the game changer in your life. Let him be the game changer. So today I've titled my message, Faith Faith in Jesus is a Game Changer. If you know Jesus, you know that faith in Jesus Christ can change your life. And for those of you who have been a little skeptical about who Jesus is, or maybe it's been a long time since you've connected with him, or maybe you're here in the room or you're joining us online and you've never met Jesus, maybe you were invited by someone else because they shared the stream with you, Today is the day of salvation. God wants to change your life if you're willing to let him. And he wants to do that today. Not tomorrow, not next week, but today. Let him change your life today. Let him do it. I say, God, change my life. I want you to turn to somebody and say, God, change my life. Just tell him, I want God to change my life. If you want God to change your life, he can do it today. But faith cannot change our life unless we choose it. We must choose to have a faith in Jesus Christ. Now, when we look at the life of Jesus, we think that everybody liked Jesus. But the truth is, is that he was a little bit controversial. He would stir things up. He would disrupt some things. And what many of us, we know is that there's this group of people in the Bible called the Pharisees. Have you all heard of the Pharisees? They didn't like Jesus. In fact, they really hated him. They were the ones who instigated him going to the cross and dying. But do you know that there was another group of people who had a problem with Jesus? Yes, it was the people from his hometown of Nazareth. These are the people he was raised with. These are the people who knew him, that saw that he was a carpenter, that saw how he helped them build their home. And yet, they still had a problem with Jesus. And so I want us to look together at the story of Jesus when he goes to his hometown. I want to invite you to join me in Mark chapter 6, verses 1 and 6. So open up your Bible, your Bible app, your Westover app. And for those of you who are in a life group, we actually have a life group experience that we've created for you. But even if you're not in a life group, if this message makes a difference for you, I want to encourage you to share this with a coworker, share this with a family member. Walk with someone through this about how God is still a miracle maker. He's still a miracle maker. He'll still change people's lives. And you could be the catalyst to that person in your life who needs to be transformed and changed. But let's look at the word of God together. Verse 1 and following, Mark chapter 6. Jesus left there 
and went to his hometown. Now Jesus was out ministering in the area of Galilee. So he goes back to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Now I want to pause here. Jesus the son of the living God, was in the habit of going to church. He would go to the synagogue. Now, did he need to go to the synagogue? No, he was the son of God. He was God in the flesh, but he went because he knew it was important. In fact, in another part of the scripture, it tells us that it was his custom. Jesus had holy habits. He would pray to the Father. He would go to church. He would invite friends. He invited his disciples to go along with him. Some of us, we need to bring somebody to church. Don't let your friend just stay away from church. They need to come and be a part of what God is doing. And I know, I know that some of you are hesitant about coming to church. We're doing everything we can to make sure that you have a quality experience and that it's safe. And if your health permits you, I want to encourage you to come. If you're on an online experience and your health permits you, come to church. Yes, you can experience God in your own home. But there's something about gathering with a community of believers and worshiping together. And let's be like like Jesus. If it's good enough for Jesus and his disciples, it's good enough for us. I want to continue. So they hear him preach. They hear him teach, and this is what they say. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? They were amazed. But then something happens. Between verse 2 and 3, the tone changes. Pay attention. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense to him. They were offended by Jesus. Jesus then replied to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed by their lack of faith. God, we come to you in this moment. We need you to help faith arise within us, God. Some of us are struggling because we can't seem to get a breakthrough, God. And we need you to rise up within us. We need you to stir up faith within us so that we can move forward in this season. I pray, Lord, right now that your Holy Spirit would begin to work in the lives of your people. Allow them to hear your voice and to hear your invitation. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. amen. Here's what happened. Jesus was raised with these people in Nazareth. They had known him for 30 years. But there are some things that got in the way. They let doubt creep into their hearts. I don't want you to be like the Nazarenes. I want faith in Jesus Christ to change the game for you. And will you decide right now in this moment to say, God, yes, I choose to let you change the game for me. That's a heart decision. I invite you to do that right now and to say, Jesus, change the game for me. So here are two ways to let faith change your life. Number one, let faith speak louder than your doubts. Let faith speak louder than your doubts. Often, we can let doubt talk really loud. 
And some of us, we need to crash the chatterbox. We need to tell the enemy to stop talking. We need to tell the neighbor to stop talking. We need to stop paying attention to what's on the news and what's on social media. You know there's people on your feed that will share negativity all the time. And some of you, you just need to go up to the menu and click ignore. So you don't listen to that. You don't need to be ingesting that in your life. You need to let faith speak louder than your doubts. Because the Nazarenes didn't let faith speak louder than their doubts, it says in verse 3, and they took offense at him. What's interesting to me is that in verse 2, they're amazed. They're excited about what Jesus is teaching. They're saying, where did this man get these things? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? But then, but then doubt shows up in their life. Doubt was a game changer for them. Don't let doubt be the game changer in your life. Let faith in Jesus Christ be the game changer for you. For you see, doubt turned to sarcasm, and sarcasm turned to skepticism, and skepticism turned to disgust and offense. Make sure that you're careful about how you talk about this season with other people. Because if you're not careful, you can let doubt come into your heart. It goes to sarcasm, it turns to skepticism, and then it turns to disgust. And you say, it's not going to get better. Many of you, you start off 2020 saying, this is the year. God's going to do a great miracle in my life. But then when March showed up, you began to get doubtful about whether God could still do it. Well, I want to remind you that God is still on the throne. He's still in charge. And could it be possible? Could it be possible that he's still going to do that miracle in spite of what's happening around you just to prove that he has the power to save and to transform lives? I don't know about you, but that should get us excited about the God we serve. Let faith rise up within you. Don't allow doubt to come in. I want you to listen to verse 3 again through the lens of sarcasm and offense. They said, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? They let doubt creep in. Don't be like them. Don't let doubt creep in. So what do you do? What do you do when doubt shows up and starts chattering to you? When the fulano de tal, when the neighbor, when the person down the street, when your coworker starts sharing things that aren't helpful, what do you do to defeat doubt? Number one, don't be casual about your faith. Don't be casual about your faith. There's a lot of things you can be casual about, but don't be casual about your faith. Don't just come to church to check the box or watch the live stream just to check the box and say, you've done it. The saddest part about all of this, other than the fact that they missed their miracle, was the fact that they were in the house of God, but they missed the fact that they were in the presence of God. They missed it. They missed seeing that they were in the presence of the one person who could transform their life. Don't miss the fact that the king is in this house. And the king wants to be in this house as well. Will you welcome him to your heart? They let their familiarity with Jesus get in the way of their faith. They let his humanity get in the way of his sovereignty and his divinity. They couldn't see past the fact that he was the carpenter. You know, the one on Drury Lane. You know, the one who helped me build my house. The one who would walk around and come to the market and say hi to me. They couldn't get past that. What happens in our life is when we become casual 
faith becomes commonplace. We compromise when God becomes commonplace. Here's some ways where our faith becomes casual and commonplace. Some of you, you come to service and you sit back and you just observe worship. I want to encourage you to engage. Don't be casual about it. Some of you, you're listening to the message and instead of taking notes, what you're doing is you're creating your shopping list. You're texting a friend. For others of you, you go to bed at night saying, tomorrow's going to be different. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to start my day with the Lord. But then you pick up your phone and you look at it, and all you see are the little notifications inviting you to distraction. And so you go to social media. You go to TikTok. You go to Instagram. You go to Facebook. You go somewhere else. You say, you know what? I'll get to my Bible reading later. And then the end of the day comes and you realize that you've missed your moment with Jesus. Don't miss another moment with Jesus. Engage right now and decide that you're going to follow the Lord. They got familiar with Jesus. But familiarity is about is when you know about God, but intimacy is when you know God and God knows you. Set the bar a little higher. Let intimacy be your goal in your faith walk. Just don't be familiar about him. Just don't check the box. Really engage. For those of you who are online, I invite you to stay connected the whole time. Take notes. Do whatever you need to do. Shut off your phone. Shut off your notifications. Be willing to put your phone on do not disturb so you can focus fully on what God wants to deposit in your life today. The second way to defeat doubt is to not adopt the Nazareth mindset. Do you know that there was a Nazareth mindset? There was a mindset in the people of Nazareth. In fact, we get a little indication of what this is in the book of John chapter 1. Philip, one of the disciples, introduces this guy Nathaniel to Jesus. And as they're walking along, Philip is saying to Nathaniel, This is the guy that we've been waiting for. He's the Messiah. He's the one who can heal. And when Nathanael hears that Jesus is from Nazareth, he says this. Listen. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Powerful words. So when Jesus walks up to him and approaches him, he says, Here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. In effect, what he's saying to Nathaniel is, you're speaking the truth. There is a Nazareth mindset. Nazareth is a spiritual desert. And what God is telling us today is we need to make sure that our life and our home and our family and our children and the workspace that we're in isn't a spiritual desert. It needs to be an oasis where God can move and transform lives and where people can receive the living water, where they can be fed the bread of life, where the Holy Spirit can flow and transform. But it requires us, it requires us to not adopt the Nazareth mindset. Now, when we look at the story in Mark chapter 6, this is the first time that Jesus goes to Nazareth in his adult ministry. And they kicked him out. And Jesus goes back. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, we see the second time that Jesus goes back to Nazareth. I want to reassure you that it doesn't matter if you've rejected Jesus once, he'll always come back for you. It doesn't matter how far you are away from Jesus right now. He's willing to come back to you, to get you, and to reach you, and to transform your life. All you have to do is say yes to him. So he goes, Jesus goes back to Nazareth in Luke chapter 4. 
And he steps into the synagogue and he starts teaching. And he opens up the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 53, and he reads these words. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I don't know about you, but I still need Jesus to declare that 2020 is the year of the Lord's favor. And I'm here to tell you that it still is the year of the Lord's favor. It doesn't matter what's happening in our culture and in this season. This is still the year of the Lord. That's what we say. That's what AD stands for. In the year of the Lord. This is still the year of the Lord. And we need to rejoice in that. But here's what happened. He declares these words. He says, in this moment, this prophecy is being made manifest to you today. And not only were they offended, they were outraged. So much so that they took him up to a cliff and they were about to push him off. But they couldn't do it because he's Jesus and it wasn't his time. After Luke 4, he never returns back. At least from what we can see in the Gospels. He never returns back to Nazareth because they were trapped in the Nazareth mindset. Don't get trapped in this mindset. Don't disqualify yourself from God's miracle. Be willing to allow God to work in your life. And the third way to defeat doubt is don't trip over Jesus. The people of Nazareth, they were tripping over Jesus. He became a stumbling block to them. Verse 3 says this, says this, and they took offense at him. In fact, when you look at the original language, the word in Greek is the word scandalon. What does that sound like? Scandal. Jesus was scandalous to them. The things that he was saying to them to set them free was scandalous to them. In fact, this word scandal, scandalon also means stumbling block and snare. They were tripping over Jesus. They saw him as a tripping stone and not a stepping stone. And we need to decide that Jesus is going to be the stepping stone. You'll either trip over Jesus or he'll advance you. You have, you have to decide, what do you want Jesus to be for you? Do you want him to be a stepping stone or a tripping stone? We have to decide that. In fact, Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. To you who believe, then this stone is precious. Those of you who believe in Jesus, you know that. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. He wants to be the cornerstone of your life, where you anchor your life and your family and your future to. Look what it says. Verse 8. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the message. Church. Don't disobey the message of Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of miracle. Today is the day of the rest of your life. What happens, though, is we get trapped when we trip over Jesus. Let him be a stepping stone in your life. What happens is that doubt then turns to disgust, and it turns to unbelief, and then it turns to dishonor. This is what it says. Jesus says in verse 4, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in, his, and in his own home. Be very careful that you don't dishonor God in the things you do in your home and in your family and your life. Pay attention to what you watch on TV. Pay attention to the programs you, you listen to. Pay attention to the things that you listen to, the things that you co communicate to your children. Don't 
dishonor God in your life and in your family. Because parents, if we dishonor God in our life, our children learn to dishonor God as well. We need to make sure that we're setting the example and saying, no, in this house we honor God. We don't watch that. We don't do that. We don't go here. We don't say that. In our family, what we tell our kids is we're mussets and we don't do that. Better way to say that is we're children of the king and we don't do that. Some of us, we need to adopt that kind of language in our life and in our family. But I also want to pause here and say to some of you, you're the only one in your family who knows Jesus and believes in Jesus. And you may be disheartened because your family hasn't come to faith in Christ. In fact, they criticize you. I want you to know you're in good company. Jesus, the son of God, wasn't welcome either. And it wasn't until his death and resurrection that his brother James came to faith in Jesus Christ and acknowledges in the book of James, he says, I'm the servant of Jesus, the son of the living God. It wasn't until later that his life was transformed, but it was because Jesus was willing to be faithful to the message that God had given him. And I want to assure you, those of you who are alone in your faith and in your family, continue to pursue God because you could be the messenger of hope that in a trial and difficult moment in the life of your family, you're able to speak truth in life and it changes their life and they come to faith in Jesus don't lose hope hold on to faith let God change you let me make it practical about how to make faith real in your life some of us when you go out to eat the next time you need to pray in public I know that's a big step for some of you but you need to pray in public and let people see you do it for others of you you need to listen to worship music at work That person in the cubicle right next to you that listens to that music that doesn't honor God and makes fun of your faith, there's going to come a moment when they're facing a trial and a situation that they can't solve. Their child is addicted to drugs. Their marriage is falling apart. They can't seem to hit their sales quota. And they're saying, what do I need to do? And they come to you and they say, there's something different about you. What's different? And you say, it's Jesus. Well, I can't make my life change and, and you say, well, I can't change it either, but I know there's a Jesus that can change your life, and I want to tell you about him. Your worship can change their life. And for you students, if you're a college student or a high school, middle school, maybe even elementary, and you're listening right now, some of you, you need to carry your Bible to school. Now, I know it's not popular to do that, but the Bible says that if we're ashamed of God, he's ashamed of us. But if we're willing to stand for him, he'll advocate For us in front of the Father, he'll stand up and he'll say, this is my son, this is my daughter in whom I will please. Romans 1.16 says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. God wants to change people's life. And finally, the second way to allow faith to change the game for you is to let faith activate your miracle. Many of us, we believe that Jesus can do anything, but the truth is is that he couldn't do miracles there in his own hometown. It says in verse 5 and 6, he could not do any miracles there because they didn't believe. He was amazed at their lack of faith. God can deal with your doubt, but he can't deal with your unbelief. When you shut the door on Jesus, he has no power to make a miracle happen in your life. Now, doubt and unbelief doesn't diminish God's power. But it does diminish God's power in your life. Don't be like the Nazarenes. Keep your heart open. Don't let a small mindset limit an infinite God. In fact, doubt, doubt is a virus that kills faith. I was thinking briefly about the fact that 
we're dealing with the coronavirus. And I got to thinking, is there a connection between doubt and the coronavirus? And here's what I figured out. Doubt, like the coronavirus, is highly contagious. It'll spread. If you have doubt, it'll spread to other people. But also faith is contagious as well. That's the hope we have. Number two, doubt, like the coronavirus, needs a receptive host to replicate. If it doesn't have a host, it dies. If the host is immune, it dies. We as the church, we need to be immune to doubt and unbelief so it doesn't spread to other people. They need to see that God is real in this moment and that he still heals. And finally, doubt like the coronavirus wants to reign in your life. For you see, coronavirus, it's called the coronavirus because it has on the outside spikes that look like a crown, a corona. Here's my question. Who or what rules and reigns in your life? Is it addiction? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Is it doubt? Is it unbelief? Church, let's lay it down before Jesus and let him transform our life. For you see, when Jesus reigns, doubt dies. When Jesus reigns, unbelief dies. It changes our life because faith is the vaccine for the virus of doubt but it requires us to choose Jesus. We need to let him be the miracle maker. For you see, miracles happen when the miracle maker is invited. Can I invite you, church, to invite the miracle maker into this moment? Some of you are wanting a miracle today, and you've tried everything, and you don't know how to make it happen. It starts by believing in Jesus. It's not about the words you say, it's about the condition of your heart. And some of you, you need to make a decision to follow Jesus. You've sensed it in your heart. You know about God, but you want to know him today. Some of you, you've been far away from faith for quite some time, or maybe you don't even know Jesus yet. I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. I need a miracle. I need you to heal my life and my family. I believe in you. I choose to make you Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive my sin. Let me qualify for a miracle and for heaven. Today, tomorrow, and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, you have made a decision to follow Jesus. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. And we want to celebrate with you today. So if you're online, just text new life to the number on the screen. And those of you who are in the room as well, or you can click on the link. And just let us know that you made a decision for, to follow Christ. We want to encourage you in your faith walk. But I know that some of you are needing a miracle. You need God to do something. I sense before this service that there's some of you who need a miracle in your physical body. And you've been struggling for a long time. Today is the day God is going to heal you. Today, day that God wants to heal you. And I wanted to share this with you. The way you qualify for the miracle is you got to want the miracle maker more than the miracle. I talked to a lady yesterday, and she told me, recently God did a miracle in my family, but I prayed for six years. But she wanted the miracle maker more than the miracle. And God provided the miracle. And some of you, you need to just keep believing. If you're breathing, keep believing that God can do a miracle. In fact, I believe that this is the invitation of the Holy Spirit today. We're not here to force you to have an altar moment. But our altars are going to be open in just a moment. We have spots for social distancing. 
And to prepare you for this moment, I wanna invite you to stand. Set your digital devices aside, set everything aside and just focus on what God wants to do. Those of you who are online, just stand up. Maybe gather your family together. I want you to encounter Jesus. We're gonna have you come in just a moment when the worship team comes. And if you need a miracle, you just cry out to Jesus and he'll meet you right where you need to be, right where you are at, he'll meet you. We'll have our pastors go by in just a moment, touchless experience and pray over you. But I want you to hear the invitation from the Lord from Luke chapter four. This is him inviting you. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If this verse resonates with you and you've felt a tug in your spirit, that's not me, that's the Holy Spirit. Let's discover that he can heal us. Our altars are open welcome to come. Let's discover the fact that he is the way maker in our life.